Do you have an idea for a podcast, but you don't know where to start? Maybe you're overwhelmed by all the tech or you're convinced nobody will actually listen to you. Well, I'm Shauna Game. After nine and a half years as a professional podcaster, at this show, everyone's talking money. And 25 million downloads later, let me tell you the secret to a profitable podcast. It is building a solid foundation, your podcast roadmap before you launch. That's why I created the Podcaster Class, a fast-paced group cohort podcasting for profit eight-week style NBA program. The Podcaster Class is immersive, comprehensive, and insanely motivational. If you want to create a podcast, DIYing a launch is just not the way to go. In the Podcaster Class, you'll get the tools, tips, and strategies to create a podcast that resonates with listeners and one you can be proud of. Get this. 90% of podcasters never make it to episode three. That's 2.8 million podcasters who just quit. So to be a top podcaster, you only need to publish 21 episodes, but you got to make them good. So in the podcaster class, I'm taking the mystery out of how to create, launch, and profit from your podcast so you can create a top 1% podcast just like this one. The May cohort is now open for enrollment. Classes start May 22nd. There are only 15 spots open. You are going to learn podcasting with me and 14 other amazing people. You can learn all the details at thepodcasterclass.com. Use code podcast when you sign up for $100 off. That's thepodcasterclass.com. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I was paying for vacations all wrong. (laughs) I was missing out on miles. I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? I don't know, maybe that fancy hotel upgrade that you have always been dreaming about. Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Hey, I'm Shauna Compton Game. This is Millennial Money. And today we're talking chase down your dream no matter what with Jukebox the Ghost and ask Shauna, am I saving correctly? Millennial Money with Shauna Compton Game. It will expand your brain. So today's Ask Shauna question comes from Josie, and I feel like this is a question that might resonate with a lot of you listening. I know I've heard a different variation of this question at least half a dozen times in the last few months, so I'm thinking that it might have uh, some relevance to a lot of us. So Josie says, hi, Shauna, I've been listening for a few months and I've started tracking my expenses for about four months now. I do contribute to a 401k at work and to a separate IRA. Ironically, for several years, I've also done exactly what you suggest with savings by having separate accounts for each saving category, trip to Europe, emergency fund, Christmas, etc. I'm a single mom with two girls. I keep reviewing my budget and spending chart, and I'm finding over and over again that I keep going over my budget on categories like groceries, eating out, house items, and such. 
I've even increased some of the amounts budgeted for realizing maybe my original goal wasn't reasonable. I'm happy with my allocations of savings aside from my 401k, which comes pre-tax. I'm currently saving about 25% of my take-home pay between my various savings accounts, but I'm really struggling to stay in my other budget areas and knowing what is reasonable for each. Do you have suggestions on actual dollar amounts that are considered reasonable for certain income ranges? Also, after my divorce, my emergency fund is essentially nothing. I have started contributing again, but it seems like it will take forever to get anywhere. But when I need to save regularly for Christmas, trips with the kids, IRA, car breaks down, etc., there are just so many things. Yes, 25% of my take-home pay goes to savings, but honestly, most of it is just budget and not savings. So... Josie is asking a question that I think a lot of people are, are trying to figure out is, you know, is there some sort of goal marker for how you should break down your monthly expenses? And, you know, there is an old school budgeting guideline that a lot of people talk about. You may have heard it before. We've talked about it on this podcast certainly many times before, the 50-20-30 method. And For those of you who don't know or just need a little short review, what that basically means is 50% of your take-home pay should go to your fixed expenses. Those are the things that you have to pay. Think your your car payment, your rent, your mortgage. Um, I'd include groceries in that because you have to eat. And uh, credit card payments, loans, all those things that you absolutely have to pay. Then... 20% of your take-home pay should go towards your savings, and that can include your retirement savings and an employer match can be included in that 20%. Then 30% should go to your variable expenses. So the idea behind this is that you're taking care of your fixed expenses and you're trying to have them in that 50% of take-home range. Then you're thinking about savings, right? So you're making sure that you're keeping some of your money before you go to pay out all your bills. And then, or I should say all your, you know, variable expense bills. And then the last 30% is all the fun stuff that you like to do. So again, it's just a guideline to help keep your spending in check. It's not set in stone. And honestly, the majority of us are going to be over and under on a lot of those numbers. So there's no point in killing yourself to try and stay in a particular range. But here's some some food for thought. You know, the fir- th- first thing that I'm thinking about is what is causing those areas like grocery, etc. to go over budget each month, even when you increase the budgeted amount? Is there is there something that comes up each month that you simply, you know, need to put more money towards those categories? Or um, is it maybe still, you know, you haven't dialed in that number correctly? I don't know. I don't know that answer. Uh, The next thing I would think about is, you know, your savings rate is really good. In fact, it's over that 20% mark. What you could do is think about, you know, what if you put, took an extra, you know, that 5% additional that you're saving, but took that money and put that towards these areas where you seem to go over budget, would that get you more in proportion and have you feel like, you know, you're still saving, you're still putting money towards your savings, but it's a little bit more in line. So you aren't going over those, you know, over budgeted items every month. Another question is, you know, how are you tracking your expenses? Is it at the end of the month? Is it never? Is it only when, you know, you're over budget in a category? You know, what does that look like for you? Because I've found that sometimes tracking your expenses weekly, if not even daily, 
really helps you to stay in line with what you budget and also just have a really good grasp on where your money's going so you can make shifts. Like if you get to, you know, week three and it's like, oh crap, you know, we're way over on groceries. Well, maybe we figure out not that you're not going to buy groceries. You obviously have a family and children to feed, but you know, maybe you find out some way to, I don't know, have recipes where you could eat it multiple nights or just something to try and slash that number down a little bit. You know, a trick that we do is we actually put a set amount on a credit card each week and we use that for our groceries and our eating out. And when the money's done, like we're done for the week, you know, so it, it creates a habit of having to figure out how to best manage that money. The reason why we put it on a credit card is because we can then see, you know, when we're approaching that, uh, um, you know, spending limit, we can also get a really good breakdown of where the money is going. Another thing is, you know, your your travel and Christmas savings, they are going to ebb and flow depending on the time of the year. And honestly, your emergency fund is as well. I mean, that's really why it's called an emergency fund. It's meant to be dipped into and then refreshed when something comes up. So in that sense, really your retirement account might conceivably be the only account, only savings account where you feel like it's actually increasing because the other accounts you're going to keep dipping in and then putting more money in, you know, when you have it. And again, they're going to, they're going to ebb and flow. So I wouldn't be panicked about that. You know, a lot of times people will start the emergency fund and get to that goal mark of, you know, three to six months worth of your expenses saved and then panic when you actually have to dip into it. But that's the whole purpose of the emergency fund is to be there in the emergency so you can dip into it, right? So it's just, again, a little like reframing of your thinking. And then, you know, I would start with examining your expenses, really looking at the fixed versus the variable. If you want to use the 50, 20, 30 kind of guidepost just to see one month, like where you are in there, that'll give you a feel of, you know, where your expenses are are weighted against your savings. And, you know, you might actually need to adjust your savings a bit so you can fund those other expenses. And that's actually not a terrible position to be in because you're essentially overfunding, if you will. There is There really is no quote-unquote overfunding of savings because, you know, you can never have too much in savings. So I don't want you to take that literally. If you could see, I'm actually doing air quotes here. Um, but, uh, you know, in essence, with the 25%, you're a little overfunded. So what if maybe you just shifted a little bit of that money towards these areas where you keep going over budget, you know, does that help equalize things? So hopefully that has answered your question. You know, please let me know if you have any follow-up questions or if anybody listening is is kind of thinking through this as well, I'd love to hear from you. There's a link in the show notes where you can click directly to ask me a question. And again, if you want to remain anonymous, totally happy to do it. Just write it in the email. It's not a big deal. And uh, we can keep you anonymous, but still make sure that you get your question answered. So Today's podcast I'm really excited about because it's all about chasing your dream no matter what. And that may feel like a really kind of like airy fairy concept to talk about on a Millennial Money podcast, but it really resonates with me. And, you know, that's just what our musical guest, Ben, who's going to join us from Jukebox the Ghost, has done throughout his entire career. Like he's known what he's wanted to do and he's chased after it no matter what, right? There wasn't a plan B, there wasn't an option number two. It was just 
this is the dream, this is the goal, and this is what I'm going for. So after this next segment, you're going to meet Jukebox the Ghost and hear all about their journey to follow this singular passion. And what I love is that these stories where we're, we're sharing, where people are going after uh, these dreams that they have for their life, no matter what their bank account number is, because I think that's really important. It's really important to separate out what your bank account number is and to understand that that actually is not a measure of success. So let me just be honest for a second. Finding new talent for your business is so super tough. It took us forever to find a great team for millennial money, like forever. If you're hiring for your business, trust me, every business needs great people. It's the only way a business succeeds and a better way to find them. And something better than just posting your job online and praying the right people see it. ZipRecruiter, they knew there was a smarter way, so they built this platform that helps you find the right job candidate. And what ZipRecruiter does is it learns what you're looking for, identifies the people with the right experience, and then invites them to apply for your job. It's so easy. In fact, 80% of employers who actually post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through in just one day. The right candidate is out there and ZipRecruiter is how you find them. And look, you don't have to have a big business. You can have a really small business. You could have a side hustle that is just booming and you have hiring needs. So if you're just starting out or you're growing your business, ZipRecruiter is such a great find for you. And right now my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, free. We know I love that word. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash my money. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash my money because ZipRecruiter is honestly the smartest way to hire and was the biggest blessing for our business. The weather is getting warmer. I'm so excited and it is time to say goodbye to all those jackets and sweaters and hello to the shorts and t-shirts. I wanted to update my summer workout wardrobe for the long haul without, you know, spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince and I am in love. Quince is your go-to place from everything from premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless, 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part of all, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes those savings on to you. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Okay, I bought the dreamiest pair of workout leggings and a bright pink workout top to match. Honestly, ladies, I gotta tell you, these leggings you need. The price cannot be beat, and I feel like a million bucks wearing this cozy workout friendly outfit. I've worn it for like five days straight. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash etm for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's q-u-i-n-c-e dot com slash etm to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash etm. I'm going to be real with you. Identity theft is on the rise and you do not want to wake up one morning and discover that your bank account has been emptied or you're overdue on credit cards you never even applied for. We talk about this often on the podcast, but you don't realize how much of your information is available to scammers on the internet and how susceptible you and your family are to identity theft and fraud. I know, it's scary, but now you can get your data removed with Delete Me. 
That's why I personally choose Delete Me. Delete Me is a subscription service that removes your personal information from the largest people search databases on the web, and in the process helps prevent potential ID theft, doxing, and phishing scams. I just started using Delete Me and I got my regular personalized privacy report. <laughs> I was shocked what they found and removed. It was pages of information about me that I did not want online. Here's how it works. You sign up and provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. I cannot tell you how relieved I felt to have Delete Me. And you know, it's also a great service for your parents or grandparents to help protect them from identity theft. Delete Me is not just a one-time service. Delete Me is always working for you, constantly monitoring and removing the personal information you do not want on the internet. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me, now at a special price for my listeners. Today, get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com etm and use promo code etm at checkout. The only way you get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and enter code etm at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash E-T-M. Go to joindeleteme.com slash E-T-M and use code E-T-M for 20% off. Okay, friend, I want to know, what are your money goals this year? Are you saving to buy a house or maybe a wedding or a dream vacation to somewhere tropical? If that's you, please, please take me with you. Or maybe you want to just grow your emergency fund because let's be real, life is expensive. I want to make sure you reach your goals, so you need Monarch. That's why the Wall Street Journal named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You can create custom budgets, track progress towards your financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash etm. Here's what I love. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. You can change the layout of your dashboard. You can go between light and dark mode. You can create custom budgets and notifications. You can set up all of these automatic rules for your transactions and notifications and so much more. Monarch is obsessed with constantly improving their product. Get this. They release updates every two weeks, and they even allow customers to submit suggestions, vote on requested features, and view the product roadmap. This, my friend, is totally original. Plus, they will never sell your data to third party or show you ads. I think that's really important. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it is the top-rated personal finance app. And now, listeners of this show get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash etm. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash etm for your extended 30-day free trial. Talking about money is hard. You know this already. All over the world, people are taught to never talk about money, politics, sex, or religion in polite company. On 50 Fires, a podcast about money and meeting from executive producers Chip and Joanna Gaines, host and financial conversationalist Carl Richards will remove money from that list by having frank, funny, and often difficult conversations about money, the kind we're all told not to have, with guests from all walks of life. 
In each episode, Carl will invite a new guest to answer the question, what does money mean to you? Their answers will reveal much more than their attitudes about money, spanning revelations about identity, community, faith, family, and the true meaning of wealth. Tune in to hear deep conversations about money and the meaning it holds in our lives. You can find 50 Fires on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. We've all spent more time with family lately. It can feel like old times, but your mind is on the future too, and what you can do to shape it. At Sandy Spring Bank, we work with clients to help them grow and protect their money with wealth management, trust services, and insurance, so they can enjoy today and ultimately pass along their wealth. We believe real banking is a conversation. Let's talk about your dreams. Visit sandyspringbank.com slash wealth. Wealth and insurance products are not FDIC insured, not guaranteed, and may lose value. Hey there. Thanks for joining us for another edition of Millennial Money Music Chat. And this week, we're actually going to talk about chasing down those dreams that you know you're going to chase down. Like No matter what, you're going to chase down your dream and nothing's really going to get in your way. Uh, now, it's always great to be flexible about things, but... No matter what, you're going to like chase down this one dream. And, and whatever career path or life choices we, we take in our lives, uh, a lot of times we may have one or two or many backup plans. If, if something doesn't work out or, or you know, something some goes awry in, in a way we envision our life heading. But what if we had one vision for our life? No matter how long it takes and how much hard work comes with that dream, this is exactly the direction we're headed and nothing will stop us and nothing's going to get in our way and nobody's going to get in our way. It may take some time, but no matter what, this is the plan. Well, frontman of power pop rock band uh, Jukebox the Ghost, Ben Thornwell, always knew that music was going to be a part of his life plan. And from growing up playing classical music to getting a college degree in music and now 10 years on as as a frontman to the successful chart-topping band Jukebox the Ghost. Well, this band is really bringing power pop rock back, and with their blend of monster piano jams, hard rock guitar licks, and uh, epically powerful vocals. I mean, it, they are a stellar band that kind of sound like nobody else. I mean, there's a lot. You could hear some 80s and, and 90s influence. Uh, you could hear some Queen influence. Uh, and some other bands and stuff like that, but they really don't sound like a lot of uh, bands these days. Which I, I really, uh, you know, it's kind of refreshing to me. I really like it a lot. The band is also one of the hardest rocking tour bands around, logging thousands of live shows over the past decade. Not too shabby for three guy, three college buddies who met in uh, George Washington U University in D.C. Now this Brooklyn-based trio of Thornwell on vocals uh, and piano, Tommy Siegel on guitar and vocals, and Jesse Kristen on drums and vocals have a sonically layered new album out right now, Off to the Races, which is the new album that just dropped uh, last weekend. And uh, it's already doing well. Uh, it's getting a lot of heavy radio play, and it's getting a, lar a large streaming numbers off Spotify and, and other streaming services right now, too. So, so the album, Off to the Races, are already doing well for Jukebox the Ghost. Ben Thornwell, who grew up in a musical family in Louisville, Kentucky, is also one of the most talented, multi-talented singer-songwriters in music today, and he happens to be an all-around cool dude. We caught up with Thornwell in Brooklyn as Jukebox the Ghost was preparing to hit the road on their headlining tour to support the new album. We talked with this frontman about his path to, from classical music to rock music, 
their alter ego of being a queen cover band, which is it's, it's a really great story, and how Brooklyn has become such a hotbed for creatives these days. So enjoy our conversation with lead singer of Jukebox the Ghost, Ben Thornwell. Okay, so Ben, so thanks for joining us on the podcast. We totally appreciate it. I'm great. Just did a little acoustic session and, uh, you know, feeling full of, uh, you know, the new record and all the stuff that's going on. So life is good. Yeah, I mean, you guys, you guys, you guys got a little bit of uh, stuff going on right now, preparing for the new record and tour and everything. Yeah, it's busy. It's always in the weeks before you tour, you know, you're, you're and releasing a record, you're learning the record, you're promoting the record, you're sort of always knee deep in the album. Uh, but it's great. It's a really exciting time. And, and it's nice to be sort of among like new music and exciting new things and that sort of thing. So, well, no, that, that sounds really awesome too, but I really think you guys have an interesting uh, story. Um, how you guys started out as a band, you guys met in college at George Washington university in, in DC. Um, and you know, since then you were actually going to get a degree in music. Um, are you actually, you did, did you actually end up getting a degree in music? Yeah, yeah, I saw I saw that through. So yeah, I am qualified to, to play the band. <laughs> You're gonna qualified to play exactly. Uh, was music always your career path, or like, or was starting starting you know a band like this, or were you gonna go in a, in a different direction? It, it's funny. It was always it's always been such a central part of who I am that even thinking of it as a career path is almost confusing. But um, for explanation, I started playing classical piano when I was six. And so, you know, in, when you're in elementary school and all the kids are being asked, what do you want to be when you grow up? My answer was always, I want to be a concert pianist, uh, which looking back sounds incredibly snobby, but it was true. That's what I wanted to, I thought I wanted to do. You know, I wanted to be a classical musician. Um, but then it's sort of, you know, as I, as I, you know, got older and sort of, you know, got deeper into classical music and then started thinking about all the other parts of music that I loved and started writing, um, it soon became uh, apparent that that's, that's more what I wanted to do. Um, and then, yeah, got to college and, and met the guys and, and it was always a dream of mine to, I was like, when I get to college, I'm going to start a band and the band I started is the band I'm still in. And it's been an embarrassing number of years since that happened. And we're still going. Well, how did you actually get into classical music that is that such a young age and, and you grew up in, in Louisville, right? Yeah, I'm from Louisville. So my dad is a classical, uh, guitarist. Um, so it was always in the house. So he was always playing and he was also uh, a songwriter. So he was, when I was uh, a young kid, he put out a, a record of, um, you know, guitar and voice, like very James Taylor, Cat Stevens, stuff. Um, so both of those were always like central to my growing up. Um, anecdotally that when I uh, started taking piano, um, I mean, I loved it, which is, which is not all that most kids can say, but um, my mom said, uh, my mom said when, you know, you're going to take lessons for the summer because you want to. And if you like it at the end of the summer, uh, I'm going to, you, you're going to sign a contract that says you're going to continue to take it until you graduate, take lessons until you graduate from high school. Um, and I did, and she still has that little X somewhere. Um, and I think, you know, my mother is not the kind of, she's not like, you know, hit you on the knuckles with a ruler sort of a person, but I think it did play like a mental trick on me as a kid. Like, Oh, this is serious. This is something to be taken seriously. Um, and so I always did. 
And that's why you have to continue to ban with Jukebox the Ghost because you still have a contract with your mom. I do. I know. I've got to stop signing a man. It's not good business. Well, and you, you actually still do some solo shows, uh, some classical shows, right, too, yourself? Yeah. So, yeah, I did. Uh, you know, classical is still such a big part of who I am. The, the, the classical shows that I do are, are improvisation-based. So um, I did, uh, on the last Jukebox record, self-titled, I actually reimagined the record as an improvised classical piano record. So that is, there's an accompanying record of all solo piano classical tunes that go with it. Um, and then about a year and a half ago, I made another record that was just pure uh, improvisational compositions on the piano. So it's something that I love doing. And it's, you know, I, when I sit at a piano and I sit down, my first thing isn't to, you know, play a cover or even to play Chopin. It's just to just start improvising and playing classical type uh, music, writing melodies, writing the chord progressions. And so that that's what my natural instinct is. So I try to incorporate that whenever I can. Yeah, gotcha. So you guys have been described, actually, speaking of the piano, as a piano pop or power pop kind of band. What guys? What music did you guys actually listen to and you bonded over as a band that you kind of pointed you in the direction that you guys are today and that kind of inspired you to be the band that you guys are today? What's really funny about that is, like, there is nothing. There is not a single... Until recently, and I'll and I'll say that next. You know, for the first ten years of us as a band, I don't think there's a single band that we all agreed on. Yeah, maybe the Beatles, but even Jesse, the drummer, um, he didn't even like, like the Beatles in college when we started getting going. So we didn't start. We're not the kind of band that got together and we're like, hey, let's make music like this because we love these bands and we want to be able to play with these bands and make this kind of record. We were just like three oddball, you know, eighteen-year-olds who we're all coming from different musical backgrounds that became friends and started playing together. And then we found our place, um, which, you know, for better, or for worse, I think that's why we sound the way we do. Um, recently we we've, um, and, and this is more of a story, but we've done a show for the last three years, uh, in New York and in a couple other cities around Halloween and we call it Halloween. Um, and what this is, we do, we do a set as us and then we do a set, uh, we get in a costume and character and do a full hour of Queen covers as Queen. And it's so much fun and so great. And in learning those songs and learning, you know, the Brian May guitar solos and the Freddie vocals and all this stuff, I think we we can all finally agree on Queen. So we've uh, embraced that recently, really gone for it. Well, I, th- I think you're actually reading my mind. That was my very next question. I mean, how did you guys actually come, come up with it? I, th- I think that's like an awesome idea. And because you guys do half the set as queen and half the set as you, as you guys, right? Yeah, 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 exactly. We, we open for queen. So we, uh, they just say it's such an honor to have, to be all over for queen. And then when we're out there as queen, we always be like, we mess up the band name. It's great to have juice box, jukebox, the ghost. I don't know what they're called, you know, have them do, you know, the whole, the whole number. But, um, it started because we, we actually played a close friend of ours wedding. Um, and for that wedding, we learned a couple, covers learn a couple queen tunes um and then we just added a couple others over tours um and then jesse uh had the idea he was like guys why don't we just make a show out of this and call it he had the name first he's like halloween oh man we should do a show called halloween um and that was it and we did it one year and and have decided to make it a tradition right that's that's, that's i think it's a really awesome idea and I, I was reading that you you guys did a show i think last year the year before in san francisco where you actually forgot the words to your own song um, is, is that something that, that you kind of 
you know, that's a big fear as a musician and, you know, maybe our listeners, you know, behind the scenes kind of stuff. Is that something you kind of always fear as a musician? And is there anything else on the road when you guys are on the road that that's really hard that you go, okay, I got to make sure we don't do that or, you know, something like that that kind of gets in the way of performing? It's funny. I, um, I used to be really anxious about that. I used to really be worried about messing up and worried about forgetting lyrics. Um, but, and this is to give away a, a trade secret and perhaps it makes me seem unprofessional, but I realized some years ago that it, it actually, it doesn't matter if, if I'm like mess up a lyric, um, and, and I'm like all of a sudden, like you break down that wall and not that I like doing it, but if it happens, it makes me more human. And I almost think like I make, we can make more fans by screwing up, acknowledging it and playing off it than by playing an absolutely, you know, spot perfect set um which was a it's a it's a funny lesson to learn but and it also takes a lot of the pressure off because as soon as i think i process like i can mess up on stage and it's okay um it sort of freed me up to be like i can play whatever i can do whatever i can take some risks um granted i shouldn't forget the lyrics to my own music but if it happens it's not the end of the world and you know then people ask and you know, I think the next time we play San Francisco, that happened in San Francisco, uh, the second verse of the song was gone. Um, I'm pretty sure those people will still come to the next show. I hope so. Uh, and if nothing else, just to see if I screw up again. Well, hey, I mean, I saw uh, Paul McCartney at, at, at Dodger Stadium, and I think it was the second or third song into the set. He forgot the lyrics. So, you know, <laughs> it happens to everybody. <laughs> but, like, the things that I, the, like, the things that I, fear on tour like it's not logistics i mean i fear that like my voice is going to go out or the piano is going to stop working the only things i'm scared of are things that are going to prevent the show from going on as long as the show can go on i'm I'm happy right right exactly well um i think you guys have a really interesting name jukebox the ghost uh how did you come up with it, it almost sounds like you guys came up with like a, a porn name or something like that yeah <laughs> pretty yeah we're just trying to to escape our past um we, it's, uh, honestly, it's, it's a terrible band name. It really is. Uh, and we've all come to terms with that at this point. Um, but it was, I wanted us to be a band with, um, ghosts in it. I had, I had an idea for a band. Uh, Tommy had something with jukebox. Jesse wanted us to be a, the band, like the verses or the Beatles or every, whatever happens to be. Um, but, uh, then we just put it together and, uh, this was, 2006 maybe fall of 2006 and at the time we were like i think google is important and we should be able to find us on google and so we looked up jukebox the ghost and there was literally nothing on the great internet with those word combinations which makes sense and uh that's what we decided to stick with well i think you guys have you know kind of really created your own sound like like you said you didn't really have anything to go off or you created your own sound and and a really unique name even though you you say it's not that great. It's it's totally unique, and I think it catches people's attention as well too. But you you mentioned before that you have the, the new album coming out, and you guys are headed out on the road in in the next week or so as well too. Uh, and the out, new album is off to the races, right? Yeah. Describe the album and and when when, when is it coming out? So it comes out on uh, tomorrow. Actually, I'm not sure how live this is happening, but uh, March 30th is its uh, official release date. Um, and uh, yeah, we've been working on it for the past God, year and a half, I think. Um, and you know, it's got some queen influence. It's got some pop influence. We are thrilled with it. I think we, we feel like it sort of embraces some of the quirkiness of our earlier records and 
some of the pop stuff of the last few records and um we're super pumped about it we really are well i read recently i think it was you that, that mentioned that you guys kind of feel like this album is almost like your debut album is 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 that something because you kind of feel like you're really hitting your stride on this one i think so i think we've embraced who we are on this record um i think other records we may have always had an eye towards what we were going for or like some other dream of who we are. And I think this time it's like, you know, we're a quirky band. We're going to make music that we like and, and hopefully other people like it. And, um, I think every record also feels like a reinvention. It's a reassertion of self. And, uh, you have to, I don't know, for me, I need to believe that every time I make a record that I'm doing something different and new and, you know, redefining who I am. So, uh, you know, at the moment, this one feels no different. Well, and you guys, you, you said it took about a year and a half to actually, you know, create the album and stuff like that, but it's been about almost three years since your last album. Uh, was that a kind of a conscious t- choice on your guys' part to kind of, you know, take a little bit of break or just take your time creating this new one? No, to be honest, a lot of it was logistics. Uh, we had been on an indie label for the last record and it got purchased. We got like, uh, absorbed by a major label and had the major label re-release and then that fell apart. And it was a lot of time waiting to see how we were going to be able to make the record. Uh, I mean, not to do too much talking shop, but like, you know, is a record label going to finance this? Are we going to finance it ourselves? How are we going to make this happen? And so we spent a lot of time sort of waiting and figuring out how to do it. And that's, that's really what slowed us down. Um, you know, for us, we'd like to make a record every year and a half. And this one just took longer than expected. Um, on the plus side, we got to spend a lot more time working on the music and demoing the songs and arranging them. And so, you know, there's always a silver lining, but that, that's why it took so long. Right. Right. Well, and since, I mean, not to say that, that you have a music degree and <laughs> so you're qualified and something like that, but I mean, is that something you kind of learned maybe through the business in college a little bit about the music business or what have you really kind of, what have you guys as a band learned and that you guys really know you always need to have your hands on, on a day to day basis uh, as a, as a small business owner, if you will. You know, I think we're an anomaly, I think in terms of like the modern music industry, because we primarily make a living touring, which most people can't say. And we're not, you know, we're not doing, uh, we're not selling out thousand person rooms across the country. I mean, we are a couple, in a couple places, but we're not like a household name by any stretch. Um, and so I think what we've learned, I think the lesson that keeps coming back is not, I don't say it, not waiting for something to happen. You know, you make the music and you put yourself out there and you, you tour and the more active we are, the more it comes back to us. Um, so I think that's a lesson we've learned over and over again, just to like make the music we love, and try to make it as often and as, as much and be as present as possible. Um, because if you wait for other people or wait for other things, uh, it can be real tricky. And then your fate is out of your own hands. Right. And, and really, you know, the business side of it too, is that touring is really where the business is these days. And, and, you know, records is not something as, as popular as as it was even 10, 15 years ago. Right. No, not even close. I mean, we, you know, Spotify, uh, revenue while, you know, it's, it's quote unquote getting better and it's decent. It's not going to pay rent by any stretch. So for us, it's getting in front of fans and it's, you know, we spent 12 years on the road playing these cities and getting in front of people. And, you know, the first time it's 30 people in the room and then 70 and then a hundred and then 200 and then 400. And, and that growth sort of has built in this really beautiful, loyal following. 
um, who come and they buy merch and they feel connected to us and we feel connected to them. And it's built this community that has enabled us to sustain ourselves. But yeah, it's ticket sales and merchandise uh, are the primary ways that we that we stay afloat. Right. And you mentioned before about, you know, have always having the mindset since you were a, a, a young guy, um, you know, listening to music and playing music and stuff like that, that music is really going to be something you were always going to do. But did you have a backup plan or did you like, nope, this is it somehow, some way, this is all I'm doing? No, I think every six months I wonder about that backup plan and I wonder what that backup plan could be. And I've never had it. Um you know, I, th- I think I could be happy doing any number of things. I like I like being busy. I like people. I like, I don't know, there's elements of business, you know, where I am running a small business. So there's elements of business that I like. But um, I- I'm very fortunate not to have had to seriously consider other options. Um, I think for me, certainly at this point, the other options are variations on what I'm doing. You know, is it film scoring? Is it writing for other people? Um, yeah, I think... Uh, I think it might be music. That might just that might be the thing I do. <laughs> and then there's nothing wrong with that, and you guys do it really well. And and you and you guys are you're headed on the roads uh, in the next week or so. Uh, are there go to activities that you guys actually do on tour, like maybe places you you actually want to? I know you don't always get to spend a ton of time in the cities, but are there places that you go? Oh, okay, I, I want to go there. Or do you guys do some real cool activities on the bus at all? We, uh, you know, it all depends on where the day off lands, where you have time. You know, I think a lot of the activities we end up doing that we love are like bowling alleys in the middle of nowhere or, you know, like some crappy, wonderfully crappy diner on the side of the road. Or it's a little like pieces of America that you only get to see if you're putting in these hours across the country. Um, you know, we've done these, these highways, you know, time and time and time again. So, you know, it's it's finding little pockets of the world to sort of dip into and be like, oh, this is what, you know, Michigan in February feels like or, you know, somewhere on like uh, up the Pacific Coast Highway or who who knows what it is. But th- those are the things that I sort of live for. There's I think we we long ago gave up really trying to be precious about, you know, when we get to Austin, we're going to go to Barton Springs, which is a beautiful like uh outdoor pool it just if you get your hopes up it'll never happen so it's all about the small little successes the bowling over 100 in des moines you know right right what's what's the 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 difference like a mind shift for you guys uh that you because this you, you guys are doing a headline tour this time what's the difference between when you guys are op- opening for somebody as opposed to kind of doing your own your own stuff the whole time um it's it's a lot more responsibility it's a lot more rewarding when you're doing the headline set you know we're playing for an hour and 40 minutes versus 40 minutes. Um, opening shows are so easy, delightfully easy. You get up, you do your 40 minutes, you like crush the crowd, you go and you talk to people, you get to watch another band set. You can like go to bed at a decent hour. You don't have to sound check. It's wonderful. Um, when you're headlining, you know, you're the first one's loaded in, you're the last one's loaded out. You're playing the longer set. Um, so it's, it's more work, but it's also really what we're working towards anyway. So both are great. And the other thing that I like talking about is um, there's a challenge aspect when you're opening because you have to prove yourself to the audience. You have to you have to like earn their respect, earn their love, earn their fandom. Um, and you, granted, you have to do that a bit when you're headlining too. But it's sort of written in. It's a different kind of pressure. It's make sure we're you know delivering what they what they want. 
Well, thanks for, for joining us. We, we totally appreciate, you know, this, this really great conversation. We're going to check out Off to the Races' new album that is out uh, tomorrow, March March 30th, and we'll have a link on our, on our uh, website as well, too. One last question before you go. You mentioned a bunch of other cities when you guys are on tour, but you're actually living in, in Brooklyn these days, right? Yeah, that's right. Well, in Brooklyn has really been, you know, obviously people kind of think of it as a as a as a hipster hotbed right now these days. But I, what I take my takeaway with Brooklyn is like it's really become this really great creative, uh, you know, force these days. Why do you think that has kind of happened in the last uh, several years? And and how much do you enjoy, you know, living in that kind of area? Yeah, I, I love it. I think um, being around other musicians and other people working hard and hustling is sort of essential to keeping the drive up. You know, I like being around people who are struggling to pay rent because the rent is ridiculous or we're playing shows and gigging four or five nights a week. Um, I love that feeling. And I think, I think the word hipster has sort of been almost like warped and destroyed. I think early it just meant like, that's where the, like, those are the musicians, the artists, the hipsters, that's where it is. And now it's this whole other thing. But, um, I don't know. I like being part of a community and I like uh, being around talented people and being in a place like Brooklyn, you're just always surrounded by that. And it's a, it's a real gift and it's a real inspiration. So here's to a little Thursday inspiration to always chase after your dreams, no matter the cost, no matter the amount of money in your bank account. And just like Ben, there might be something you've always known you were supposed to do and you just go do that. As always, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Game. And if you love this podcast, do me a favor, share it with your friends, shout it out on social media. And if you head on over to that link in the show notes, if you haven't already, leaving us a review means a lot and it means we can continue to grow the podcast. Days can be counted by the money spent. Today was just another better left unsaid. Tomorrow's just another like the one that comes next 